I wrote this record while 30,000 feet in the air. Steward is complimenting me. What's up, everybody? Jason Vesta, the After Red Podcast. You're in for a treat today. You got Cheats, Mark Cheatham of the Cheats Movement Podcast, local celebrity. If you are in the hip-hop scene or have heard of the hip-hop scene, you know Mark Cheatham. You've also heard his work, seen his work with Senator Tim Kaine. This is a guy that does everything, not to mention when he has his spare time uh, to come and chat with me and give back uh, to some of the local schools here in the area. So we are pleased to have him on the show today. Everybody turn it up, tune out anything that doesn't matter. Make sure you are giving this podcast your undivided attention. Without further ado, cheats. All right, today I am... So lucky and humbled to have Mark Cheatham here with me. Mark, I appreciate you being here, man. Thanks, man. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, and I just got to say, so uh, I was getting my recording equipment slammed about five minutes ago. Uh, <laughs> people iPhone. know I, I have it straight off the phone here, so we're, we're going to figure some better things out for the audio. But this is also the only time I've done a, an interview in person, second time, actually. So I'm... Excited. So we're moving see. forward. We're moving we're forward. In person, next time we'll have uh, some microphones. Yeah, hopefully. But, uh, I hate Apple makes great products, so yeah. ready to go. So, look, I just want to highlight a couple things that you do or have done just to give the listeners an idea. Um, you have the Cheats Movement blog mm-hmm. and podcast. Yes. Um, you've worked or still work with the VCIC, the Virginia uh, Center for Inclusive Communities. Yes. Um, you've worked with or still do work with Senator Kane. All of this is still. Still. Like, we do all this together. Still working. All but, yeah, right. and and then, so this is not, well, I mean, I guess you still are top 40 under 40. But well, that, that's you the were only thing awarded. that's old. <laughs> like, let's, let's, it's 2018. I think I got awarded that in like 2009 or something. So it was, it was a long time ago. Yeah. It's, so, I think it's much cooler now. The award seems to be much co- a cooler award now. So it wasn't cool when you got no, it? No. <laughs> when I got it, I, I didn't get anything off of it. Like it's, it's like when people say they went to VCU years ago and VCU wasn't as cool as it is now. Uh-huh. And it's just like, yeah, it's a whole different thing. Didn't have the whole world. effect. No. No. But I did get it. I got it a while ago. So look, um, the I was just telling you the the concept of the podcast is to highlight people challenging the status quo in education and I know that's not directly what you do but what you do in my mind is really challenging the status quo so I just want to jump right into challenging the status quo and I want to get your take on Kendrick Lamar. This is a great start. Just how important it is because you know I grew up and I loved hip-hop and how important is this to Hip-hop. Pulitzer, Pulitzer Prize winning. Also, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. yes. Pulitzer. And uh, in particular, our country that he was awarded the Pulitzer Prize this week. Pulitzer Prize for music. Uh, I think that's phenomenal. I think that's a phenomenal task. I think obviously Kendrick Lamar is a phenomenal artist. One of the things that is awesome about him winning this particular award is that I spend a lot of time with musicians. And I spend a lot of time with independent artists and people, a lot of, you know, Independent artists are kind of either either underrated or underappreciated or misunderstood. Sure. And one of the challenges that they have is always trying to get validation. And they seek validation not from the things that you think you should seek validation from. But they're seeking validation from things like Grammy Awards or Grammy Award nominations or top streams. And the fact of the matter is, it's like there's only one like Drake 
right? And it, whether you think he's talented or not, he's the only, like, he's, he, there's only one Beyonce, you know what I mean, Rihanna. There's only a handful, a very small number of those people where everything they do is going to be a big deal. Yeah. So one of the things that uh, I always try to tell independent artists is to find your own lane, find your own path to success, and ride that out and use that as your standard. I go back to that because what Kendrick has done winning this award, uh, it really puts things in perspective for, you know, even those big-time artists It's like, well, I never got a Grammy nomination. Well, it's because Grammys are important because we put value in the Grammys. Mm -hmm. If everybody didn't care about the Grammys and would put value into, you know, the – Hungry Creek Middle School Teacher Education Award. If Kanye West showed up and was like, this is my most valuable award, everyone would put validation in that. No one would care about the materialistic thing of, you know, a Grammy Award yeah, nomination. Yeah. So I say this is really cool because I really think that if we should be putting value into something, aim for a bold surprise. Don't aim for a Billboard Music Award or a top streaming thing. Aim for something that really appreciates your art. And so... I say that because one of the things that Kendrick Lamar has cons- consistently done, even if you're a really early Kendrick Lamar fan with Section 80 and all that stuff up into now, is that he has displayed a level of talent in his music um, that is superior to, and it's transcendent. It transcends kind of, you could listen to, to Pimp a Butterfly or Good Kid Mad City and pretty much any, cha- any era of hip-hop, and it's still going to be a good album. And that doesn't usually hold up for what we see as even the top albums of 2018, right? You put that album in 1996, it may not be considered a good album. Or that artist may not be considered a good artist. I understand times change, but what a Kendrick Lamar does, or a J. Cole does, or a Nas does, or a Jay-Z does, even to a Drake, what they do is you can put them up in any kind of realm of hip-hop and they're gonna be successful like that's gonna be a good song so that along the side of kind of uh the social conscious aspect of what kendrick does what j cole does what nas does um the business aspect of what a nas does and a jay-z does we're starting to see hip-hop as a community really mature and i think kendrick is in a perfect position because he's benefited from dr dre jay-z 50 cent Puff, like he's benefited from seeing those guys become businessmen, yeah. and yet he's still uh, relevant enough and kind of closer enough to a younger edge where he's going to run way further than those guys ran. Maybe not monetarily, but he's going to run pretty far. Yeah. And I think just for me, like, and you know, working with kids all the time, I've always been into the lyricist, somebody that always just says, like, really saying something, really talking about things that matter. And I think a lot of times kids, you know, it's a little bit different with having more access to basically any type of music that they want now. But still, like you said, the stuff that usually wins Grammys and the stuff that usually ends up on the radio and makes the top 40 isn't necessarily talking about real world big time issues. And that's always been the case, right? Like, um, except, I mean, maybe, maybe early on in hip hop, a group like Public Enemy got on the radio, maybe. You know, or, or they were too radical to get on the radio, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe on the late night hip hop radio station where everybody got hip hop because it wasn't twenty four seven. Maybe you played a Public Enemy song, or maybe you played an X Clan song. Maybe, yeah. but um, what has always been the case is 
if you wanted to find good lyricism, good music, like as you know, as well received and as critically acclaimed as groups like Tribe Called a Tribe Called Quest or De La Soul is now, they still weren't like the they weren't the darlings of hip hop at the time. Like it was still you still had to like you were on to something if you really had like that tribe. Like if you were on Tribe super early or something like that or something super lyrical like that, you were really kind of on to something at the time. And that brought that community closer and it started to grow. I think it still stands that way in 2018. I think in 2018, if you're looking for, you know, more lyrical rap, like more Black Packers, you can find it. It probably isn't going to be, it's not going to be on the radio. It's not going to be Migos or Cardi B. That's it. You're, you're but, finding it. But yeah, you have to, you're, you have to I mean, with the out. access that people have. And I mean, that's always been, it's always been in hip hop, uh, a socially conscious counterculture. There's always been like a more gangster rap counterculture. Yeah. The 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 issue is when those countercultures become the thing for a moment, and then you know people are like, oh, I'm off that because it's too pop. You know, I never understood that, but people do that all the time. Like now, like if you discovered uh, if you discovered Kendrick early, there's so many people now that are on Kendrick that are off Kendrick because down the world's on Kendrick. Right. Like, does that make sense? I never understood that. That's like an inherited hip-hop thing. Yeah. Like, oh, he's got too big now yeah. and I'm off of it. Like, he's if he's good, he's good. Right. Like, you know, eh, I get it. So I'm going to ask you something and I'm, sure. this has always been something that has really interested me and, you know, I have my take on it, but are people afraid of hip-hop and whether they are or not, what is hip hop's place in K through twelve education? Uh, are people afraid of hip hop? I think to an extent. I don't think we can say that they're universally afraid of hip hop uh, because hip hop is the largest. Like there is no more pop culture. Hip hop culture is dominated pop culture, and so yeah. leading cultural movement and all of global society. Like yeah. they started. Yeah, you go to Asia and everyone's trying to figure out what the latest hip hop artist is doing. Yeah. So I don't think people are as afraid as like you know it, it wouldn't if it was that scary universally it wouldn't have made it as far as it has. There's a lot of people that have embraced hip hop culture and hip hop community. The truth of the matter is, and I mean we've just got to be frank about saying this, is that a lot of people are afraid of the messenger, not the message, right? So if you look at who's becoming instant millionaires um, from hip-hop culture what and it's not just music whether it's fashion whether it's you know bi- you know business savvy i think that's what challenges the status quo more is that these kids you know black brown asian whatever they just don't look like the old white man establishment uh that even when we're talking about our glory days of hip-hop yeah. like they were still someone controlling that sure right they were still uh, a level that controlled what music played on the radio, what music came out, what kids, what the internet has done is they've has made it so direct to consumer that even, and it's scary to a point too, it's like, there's a lot of young rappers that are just not me, I'm too old, it's not my time, I don't understand it, and when I look closer to whatever their, their history is individually, I don't approve of it, I'm not, it's not something that I would want my son to go around looking at you know, little X, Y, and Z's name sure. because they are not the role models that I want. The problem is uh, 
for, I guess, a larger kind of area, like when you're talking about a big problem in quotation marks, is that you just can't control those guys. You can't control the messenger, and so you can't control what messages are being sent out. And I so is it a fear? I think there's a level of embracing hip-hop uh, in certain levels, and then there's this kind of understanding that with the, with the rise of the Internet, with direct-to-consumer, with uh, every you know, K through 12 kid having a cell phone that you just, you're just not going to be able to control the messengers and the message as much. So I think they're afraid there's a, there's a fear of losing control as much as there's a fear of the actual element in the music. Right. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean for people, especially in education, K through 12 education, what role does hip hop have even at any kind of institution in college on down is that I think we need more educators, more attuned to what, uh, is going on in the world of their students. Um, I really didn't have to have that luxury. When I was a student going through, I, I, I didn't really need my eighth grade math teacher to understand kind of culturally what was going on. But I think now it is a disadvantage to educators if they're not aware that, hey, this is going around on every cell phone and this is what kids are trying to look up to uh, because they may be doing something in class that they might have seen a social media influencer do, and everybody in the class could be laughing, and you know the teacher may play along with something that could be completely inappropriate, mm. because they just didn't know that this was the joke, right? Like right. they're not in on it as much. So I do think that um, it's really important, and especially through K through twelve, parents, you know, mentors, all of them to be kind of aware of what's going on in culture. Um, and what's going on with with the youth, and they can't, they they won't do that if they don't have an understanding of kind of the impact that hip hop culture has influenced, even kids that may not listen to hip hop music, like you know sneakerheads and you know what I mean, like it's it's just too big, and it all fits. What makes me happy is it all fits under kind of hip hop culture. Yeah. Why we see it. Why, why, why <laughs> so that's is, my. So let me explain. That's yeah. my tagline that I use on the blog, right? So the Cheats Movement blog, I started it in 2011, and I started it with the hashtag of We See It. And it was really because uh, me and my friends at the time that we started the blog were literally outside every day. And I say outside, we were outside in the community. We were going to these events. We were uh, like the only, I mean, we weren't even a media outlet at the time, but we were the only people with cameras um shooting all of these community events, cultural events, and really tracking, you know, hip hop culture in Richmond. And so we posted these things on the blog and we would use the hashtag we see it, um, really because we were there. Like we um we see Richmond, we see the region differently than kind of what the uh, the original establishment saw it. This is kind of what we what we saw when we were putting it up there. And we still use it today because um you know, it became a whole thing. People started hashtagging it and sending it around, so we like it and just kind of keep it going that way. But it's important because, um, you know, we kind of use it to challenge not education but maybe mainstream media in a sense. And we saw our community a lot differently than, you know, the, the local media outlets in Richmond saw them. And the stories that they were reporting weren't the stories that we were in the same. We could be at the same event covering the same thing and we would have two different perspectives completely different perspectives on it and our perspective was never getting out because we never controlled those outlets again with the rise of the internet like we were just saying 
I didn't need to go to CBS 6 or ABC News or NBC 12 or even the CW to run my story. I ran my entire story on the internet direct to consumer. And what we found was uh, it wound up being more effective or is equally effective for us. It's not, we don't get the readership that a local news station gets, but it was, there was enough people looking for our content that it made it a whole thing. Well, you, you should. And and I think, (laughs) I think that you will. And I'll get you out of here on this. We both have kids that are not quite in what I would call the system yet, you know, we're we no, younger kids. Too, too young, yeah. And you know, school. you're you're familiar with some of the things that we've done in in my class and what we're trying to do here at the school. But as a whole, what should we do differently in education based on your own experience and what you know or what you've seen and heard about that works um, to truly prepare our own kids for, you know, and I'm, I'm using air quotes, but sure. the real world and the future. I mean, it's tough. I, I mean, I think the, the world is changing and therefore education needs to change along with it. Um, I like what I've seen with kind of firsthand experience and uh, putting students in positions where they can actually try things out, um, be innovative uh, fail in a way. One of the things that uh, at some point in time, for me, it may not be for everyone, but at some point in time, education was kind of just like formal education, especially higher education, was kind of a check off a box, right? So I get a degree in X, and I'm, I have no clue. I, the, the degree lets me check off the box that I have the degree in X. So when I go to my first day in the company, I have no clue what I'm doing. No. And so I've spent you know, five, four, four plus years of getting a check off a box. So my first day in company X, having to learn the job, right? So I think what the best thing to do in regards to education is try to get kids in experiences where they're actually learning skills that will help them actually do whatever it is they want to do and not just check the box. And I think that's universally, I think that's why people challenge uh, standardized testing so much is because they feel like it's checking a box and it's and great these things some of these things a lot of these things need to be known right but is it really going to help you know 22 year old mark first first day in the company learn what i need to do so what most companies do especially successful ones is they get those guys that check those boxes off and as of right now the system still makes you check those boxes off and then they put you in a year a year and a half of, you know, on-the-job training yeah. before you can, like... No. So, so I think that's the challenge in regards to um, seeing where my son, hopefully... And, I, and some of this stuff is getting better with classes like yours, uh, uh, Jason, and, and other programs, and the things that I'm learning is hopefully, you know, my son will get to a place where, a place where his education is... You know, he's learning a lot of firsthand experience, maybe outside of a traditional classroom. Maybe it's inside of a traditional classroom to an extent, but he's able to come home and tell, like, say, hey, daddy, look what I did. Yeah. Like, let me show you how to do this, as opposed to, you know, hey, daddy, there's, you know, you want to help me do my long division today or whatever. They might not even be doing long division <laughs> anymore. But, but, but that, that's, I mean, I think we need to prepare our children for the future that is. Not not the the past that was, and I think that's going to have a lot to do with really just 
you know, experimental on the job, outside of the classroom type education. Couldn't agree more. Mark Cheatham, I appreciate you, man. Thanks, man. See you later. Great. All right. All right. Hey, everybody. What's up? Jason Vest here from the After Ed Podcast. Look, we are growing. We are having amazing guests on, but we need you to subscribe. We need you to refer guests for the show. We need you to go and leave reviews only to help us get better and spread our message. If you love what you hear with the podcast, head on over to Twitter at MrVestRVA. Instagram is the same name. Give me a shout out there as well. Also, if you want to check out what my students are doing from this innovation class that I always reference, check them out on the various social platforms at InnovateHC. That's the number eight, InnovateHC. Thank you, guys. Enjoy your day.